This morning's scripture comes from the 25th chapter of Genesis, verses 19 to 34. These are the descendants of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, to Aramine of Padan Aram, sister of Laban, the Aramine. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and his wife Rebekah conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is to be this way, why do I live? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The elder shall serve the younger. When her time to give birth was at hand, they were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy mantle, so they named him Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand gripping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man living in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he was fond of game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff, for I am famished. Therefore he was called Edom. Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. Esau said, I'm about to die of what use is a birthright to me. Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. There are a, probably, I don't know how many people, I can't count, but some of you out in the audience who do not like spiders, right? Spiders aren't necessarily top of uh, everyone's want list uh, in a lot of ways. And for people who don't like spiders, right? Sometimes there's a reaction when they do see a spider crawling around uh, near them. And one of the things that's always intrigued me is that one of the spiders that we get a little worked up about at times is one that has very long legs, very skinny, very small, um, and, and it is what we like to call a granddaddy long leg. And because of our sometimes fear or just not really liking spiders in so many ways, uh, we see that particular one and we're like, uh, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. But what's amazing is that that particular spider, it does something that really we're all very happy about. You know what that is? It can keep the mosquitoes away, right? 
It's one of the spiders that keeps mosquitoes away because that's, you know, what they like to eat. So the uh, ecosystem, circle of life type stuff, I guess. Um, but for me, as someone who, eh, I don't really have a, a preference uh, for or against spiders, but I do dislike mosquitoes a lot. And so I am very happy that uh, this spider that some people just don't want to be around, that sometimes they kind of want it to disappear, maybe flush it down the toilet or uh, get a shoe and smash it as we do with some other bugs. Um, I'm very grateful for that spider and the way it does something very amazing in the world, in, in my mind, right? Uh, if you like mosquitoes, I'm sorry, but um, I don't think there are many people like that. Uh, and it's very similar to kind of what we see in our scripture, right? We're, we're talking about Jacob and Esau. Uh, a lot of us know uh, a lot of different parts of this story. So we have Jacob and Esau, who are the twins of Isaac and they, they are very different people, okay? Uh, they have come out uh, very different. He came out where Esau was the first, so he is the one that has uh, the birthright. And then you have Jacob, who is right on his tail, holding on to his heel. And as they grow up, we hear in our scripture how Esau... Esau is someone who likes to go outdoors, likes to, to hunt and to do uh, the different things that uh, outdoorsy people like to do that, you know, I don't necessarily like, but other people do. And then you have Jacob, right? Jacob kind of stays closer to, to home. Uh, Jacob has learned to cook. Uh, Jacob is kind of the, the cunning one, the, the, a little more ambitious maybe out of the two. And we even see in the two of them, right, where Isaac kind of favors Esau and Rebekah kind of favors Jacob. Now, uh, what a birthright is, right? So a birthright is where the oldest child gets double of what the other siblings may get. So being that it's Jacob and Esau, uh, what Esau is um, entitled to based off of uh, law and tradition in this time is that he would get two-thirds of whatever the inheritance is from Isaac where Jacob would only get a third, okay? So, right there, we're starting to see a, a little bit of a competition, maybe, a little bit of a, a, you know, like, hey, you know, that's not fair, just numerically, okay? And then we also see in our scripture, too, where uh, Rebecca, Rebecca has prayed and has talked to God over these uh, two boys that she has had, right? Because uh, she did not think that she would be able to conceive, and she is told that she ha is going to have two boys that will create two nations over time, and that the oldest will serve the youngest, it's a very interesting um, idea because for us, us older siblings, our younger siblings are supposed to do everything we say, right? 
Well, he says, that's what I tell my brother, and then he looks at me crazily and says, yeah, right, see you later. But, you know, there is this idea of the older kind of being, uh, I don't want to say favorite or the, the better, but, you know, the older, a lot of responsibility falls on the older, even today at times. But here, we're hearing where the older will serve the younger. So, we, we've set up, right, these two twins, very different. We've set up that there's a birthright involved. We've set up kind of the favoritism that is seen. And we're talking about the exchange between Rebecca and God. And so in hearing that, right, um, all of a sudden we come to a day, an experience, a time where Esau has been out hunting, looking for a wild game, and doing the things that Esau likes to do as the outdoorsy one. And Jacob, Jacob has been cooking, uh, cooking a stew that I'm sure tasted delicious. And so Esau comes in and he says, hey, can I have some of that? Because you know, he's famished at this time. He's hungry. He's thinking to himself, man, that smells so good. I would love to have some of that, especially after a, a day of going out into the wilderness and hunting and taking on those responsibilities. I would love to have a little bit of that stew. And Jacob's like, yeah, absolutely. You can have some of that stew. But this is where Jacob's mind it starts turning. He's like, okay, I'm going to take advantage of this. I'm going to take advantage of this, right? So Esau, you absolutely can have some of this stew if you give me your birthright. And so then we, we go into kind of maybe what Esau is thinking is like, Oh, okay, whatever. This is my little brother. Like, he, you know, he doesn't mean what he says, all of that. So I'm just going to say yes. I'm going to get this food because I'm very hungry. And so, you know, we'll take care of what happens later. Um, but I'm just going to say, yeah, and get his food, right? Like, that's, that's maybe a conversation that's going on in Esau's mind as Jacob is making this deal. And so then he gets some stew. And Jacob's like, all right, thanks, man. Got it. See ya. We see two very different people who are great and wonderful in a lot of different ways, but we see two very different people that also have their shortcomings. Uh, they also have kind of their desires that they lean in into in this moment, we see Jacob, who is kind of betraying his brother, right? Taking advantage of his brother. We see Esau, who is putting like this desire of being hungry right then and there over what might be needed in the future, right? Being worried about the now and not thinking about what is coming.
But as their story continues, right, and we're going to continue to talk uh, about Jacob's story in the next couple weeks as we continue on in the book of Genesis, we see, we see where both of these men, these twins, that are, are just normal people, right? They, they have their strengths, but they also have their own desires that they fall into, their own weaknesses that they fall into. Both of them go on to create two great nations and to reconcile over time. But not only do they do that, they go and they really make a difference in the lineage and the, uh, the idea and the completion, right, that will come a little bit later of the kingdom of Israel. Without Esau and Jacob, we never get to David. We never get to Mary and Joseph. We never get to Paul. Peter, the disciples. But yet, we're talking about two people who we clearly see putting their own desires, their own wants, first. And I think what that shows, and this is not the only example, but it shows that God can use ordinary people to do great things. God uses people who, who fail. God uses people who are selfish. God uses people that have done unspeakable uh, things, as we like to say, right? Whether it be murder, stealing, God still can use all of those people to do great things. Because as we continue on through the lineage and through uh, the, the scriptures that we have access to, right? The scriptures, that big book, not just uh, this little insert, but all throughout the Bible, we see how God used ordinary people People that sometimes weren't the best. People that sometimes didn't do good things in their past. God used them in incredible ways. I mean, God used David, right, a shepherd boy, to be the king of Israel. God used Mary and Joseph, Mary to be the one that would bear God's son, and Joseph, a carpenter who would be Jesus' earthly father, right? God used Paul. Paul who persecuted Christians. but then would go and share about who Christ was to so many 
in the world. God uses each and every one of us, even those of us that sometimes trick our siblings, those of us that put our, our hunger above kind of what may happen in the future, God uses each and every one of us to do incredible things in the world. So don't sit here and think that you aren't good enough to go and to do incredible things for the kingdom of God. Because that's just not true. God used these twins to make two great nations. God continues to use ordinary people today to do extraordinary ministry and work and to share, to share his love and his hope and his grace. And so as we continue to go out in our lives, as we continue to think and reflect over the things that we may have done, the things that uh, we think are just kind of boring, let us be reminded that God still uses ordinary people, that God uses everyone. And let us look for the opportunities where we are able to do extraordinary and deep and meaningful ministry to continue to help the kingdom of God grow and to continue to see the fullness of that kingdom in the world today. A fullness that we have not experienced yet, but a fullness we are called to help create. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, Lord, we just come to you this morning. We come before you knowing that just as you used Esau and Jacob, two individuals that were not perfect, that you, you can use us sitting here today. In the moments in which we think that we're not good enough or that we're just kind of uh, ordinary in our lives, let us know and be reminded that you continue to use ordinary people, people that no one would expect to go and to do amazing ministry and work and to continue to help build build your kingdom so that the world can see the fullness of your love and your kingdom here on earth. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.